Chapter 19 of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 19 Lefevre Receives the Raiders. Laramie knew Lefevre to be quite equal to the highly particular job he had assigned to him, and that John would give his best to it. Hardly thirty minutes later the raiders rode out of the timber along the creek. Van Horn stopped his pack for a word of warning. "'Look to your guns,' he said harshly. "'You can guess most of you what you'll be up against if there's trouble at this joint.' Leaving the creek, the party rode out of a rarely used trail that Stone told them led to Laramie's cabin. They followed this for some distance, keeping two men ahead as they had done in the early morning. These two men, reaching the bench, which at that point had been cut sharply away by a flood, halted. The main party riding up the hill debouched on level ground at the crest and joined their scouts. Half a mile to their right stood Laramie's cabin. The bench land lying in front of it was as smooth as a table, and covered with mountain blue stem out of the level ground a hundred yards from the edge of the bench where doubleday's party had halted rose a huge and solitary fragment of rock beside this rock stood a large man facing the intruders slung over his left forearm he carried a rifle and his right hand he held well out toward them with his open palm raised in the air the raiders understood the signal it warned them to advance no farther. "'What's that fat buck doing up in this country?' asked Van Horn angrily. "'Who is it?' demanded Doubleday. "'John Lefevre,' returned Van Horn, greatly nettled. "'What are you doing here?' he bellowed at the unwelcome sentinel. John pointed a stubby forefinger at Van Horn and returned a perfectly intelligible retort. "'That's not the first question, Harry. "'That's the second question,' he yelled. "'What are you doing here?' "'This was not in all respects a question easy to answer, "'but Van Horn was resourceful. "'We're on our way down the creek, John. "'Rode up from the bottom to see Jim Laramie a minute.' "'Just a friendly call,' assented John. "'Well, how about your sidearms?' he shouted. "'And how many of you are there?' Van Horn looked around him. "'Why, maybe a dozen, I reckon, John. You know most everybody here. "'How many of you are there want to see Jim a minute, Harry?' asked Lefevre, calm but inconveniently close to the rock and quite conscious of the delicacy of his position should shooting begin. There was some exchange of talk before the question was answered. "'Look here, Lefevre,' roared Doubleday huskily. "'What the hell's all this fuss about?' "'Why, it's like this, Barb,' returned Lefevre, nothing abashed. "'When I seen you crossing down there at the Forks, "'I thought maybe you had lost your Bibles in the creek. "'That's the way you acted. "'But when I seen you and Harry Van Horn and Tom Stone "'loading your rifles in the timber, "'I reckoned you must be coming up to ask Jim "'to run for sheriff on the cattle ticket.' Sarcasm could hardly convey more defiance and contempt. The riders realized they had been watched, and that deception was useless. Van Horn was furiously angry. 
Look here, Lefevre, he called out, short and sharp. I'm looking right there, Harry, yelled Lefevre irreverently. With a bunch of mugs like that on the horizon, I sure wouldn't dare look anywhere else. These boys won't stand any more fooling, roared Doubleday. I wouldn't either, Barb, if you got me into this scrap as deep as you got them, was the retort. Nothing less than violent outbursts of profanity served now, and these, proceeding to a climax of strength and rapidity, gradually subsided as such outbursts do, and the two sides started to argue all over again. After much parley and protestations of peaceful intent, provided they were treated fair, Doubleday and Van Horn were allowed to ride up to the rock, but not to dismount. Now, suggested Lefevre to the two, talk just plain business. Right you have it, John, returned Van Horn briskly. The rustlers have got to go. We're looking for Abe Hawk. Gorman and Dutch Henry are lifting cattle now in the happy hunting grounds. We're going to clean out the rest of them. We've tracked Abe here. Without any hard words, we want him. Then, boys, you want to ride right on. Keep on riding, for he's not here. I don't know anything, but that much I do know, asserted the big fellow positively. How do you know? demanded Doubleday grimly. I just walked down here from the cabin. There's no one there. I rode in here this morning from the reservation, Barb. A buck looking for horses over on the North Fork yesterday saw the fight at Gorman's. Everybody knows about it. Van Horn showed his teeth. You're a pretty good artist, John, with your buck looking for horses. Lefevre deprecated the compliment. You must remember, Harry, I worked seven year for you. Seven year, and then didn't get all was coming to me. If you had, returned Van Horn candidly, your headstone would be covered with moss by this time, John. Where's Laramie? Lefevre stood with his left hand eagerly extended and appeared as if sensitive at Van Horn's incredulity. All the same, Harry, he exclaimed, I can take you to that buck inside two hours' ride and get his story. I've got twenty-five dollar gold pieces in my pocket that says so. I'll put them up in Barb Doubleday's hand right now against your five. A man couldn't pry you loose from five twenty-five dollar gold pieces if you had five thousand in your pocket, John. What are you stalling around for? demanded Van Horn suspiciously. Where's Laramie? Lefevre was frankness itself, almost over-frank in his genuine simplicity. Had it not been for his big, blunt eyes and round, smooth face, he might have been suspected of duplicity, but not by the two men now talking to him. They knew beyond a doubt that John was stringing them. Unfortunately, they could not prevent it. He answered Van Horn's sharp question as innocently as a child. That's more than I can say this minute, Harry, where Jim Laramie is. But he's not far, I can tell you that, for the coffee pot was on the stove when I got to the shack a while ago. Then what are you holding us up here for? barked Doubleday with rough words. I'm a peace officer, Bob, a deputy marshal. The bursting expression of disgust on his questioners' faces did not ruffle John's candor. I know what you fellows are up to. I won't have any bloodshed here this morning. That's flat. 
Laramie gets hot sometimes, and this is one of the times for folks to go slow. If you want to talk to Laramie, come along up to the shack. But send them longhorns over there down to the creek, he added as an afterthought, and in the bluntly candid tone of appeal that distinguished his persuasiveness. Long hell, sputtered Doubleday. Longhorns, persisted Lefevre. Barb growled at the proposal to send the boys down to the creek, and Van Horn objected, but there was no escape from Lefevre's stubbornness except a fight, and this was not wanted. Lefevre passed his word that Hawk was not in the cabin, but he was adamant on sending the men to the bottoms, and his demand was grudgingly acceded to. In point of fact, John reckoned himself on foot with a rifle equal to two men on horseback, even if Van Horn were one. But not being able to take care of a dozen horsemen, he was resolved to have no volleying applause from the other guns if the unexpected should happen on the open bench land. After Doubleday and Van Horn's following had at length filed down to the creek bottom, Lefevre walked beside the two horsemen toward the cabin, and since he would not walk fast and the two refused to ride ahead of him, the pace was deliberate all the way. Nor could Lefevre be persuaded even to walk between the two horsemen. He kept them both religiously on his left, his rifle lying carelessly across his forearm as he entertained them with a moderately timed and unfailing flow of reservation small talk. But he could not control Van Horn's quick flashing eyes, and these were busy every moment and every foot of the way with reconnaissance and inference. It did not escape him or Doubleday that a bunch of horses had been but lately driven over the ground they were crossing, and every trail leading to and from the cabin obliterated. This, however, only assured both that their man was close at hand and strengthened their determination to get him in their own way when they were ready. So intent were they on reading the ground as well as on keeping a sharp eye on the cabin itself that they had almost reached it before Van Horn, halting, fixed his eyes on the hills to the left, that is, down the creek, and exclaimed sharply, "'Who's that?' Riding in a leisurely fashion down and out of the rough country to the south, a mile away, a man emerging from a rift between two hills could be seen following one of the cattle trails toward the creek. Lefevre, after a minute's study, answered the question blandly, "'I'm thinking that's Jim Laramie right now.' He waved his hat at the distant horseman, who also rode with a rifle slung across his pommel and carried his lines high in his right hand. The horseman continued for some moments toward the creek, then looking, seemingly by accident, toward the house he saw the signaling, stopped his pony, paused, and, reining him around, headed at an easy pace for the group before the cabin. It was, as Lefevre had said, Laramie. A few minutes later he trotted his horse across the field and slowed him up in front of Van Horn and Doubleday. His greeting to his visitors was dry. Their own was somewhat strained, but Lefevre at once took the initiative. Jim, he said, identifying himself in his bluntly honest way with the interests of the raiders, we're looking for Abe Hawk. 
Laramie's response was merely to the point. He's not here. Has he been here? demanded Van Horn. Yes, answered Laramie. Lefevre, at intervals, looked virtuously from questioner to questioned. How long ago, Jim? continued Van Horn. Laramie regarded him steadily. Several times in the last few weeks. Was he here today? asked Van Horn suddenly. I was on the reservation yesterday. Has he been here this morning? Yes. If Lefevre jumped inwardly at this most unexpected admission, he suppressed all outward sign of surprise. His wide open eyes did not blink, and his close-cut moustache preserved its honesty undefiled. But he wondered what might be coming. How long ago? continued Van Horn. Early. What's all this questioning about? Laramie demanded in turn, looking from Van Horn to Doubleday and to Lefevre. Who won't talk? Jim, we're cleaning up the rustlers, said Van Horn. Things have got so bad it had to be done. We won't hawk. We've got Gorman and Henry. Now, if it's a fair question, is Abe here? He's not. Not in your shack? No. Are you willing we should search it? "'Search hell? What do you mean?' asked Laramie curtly. "'Isn't my word good as to who's in my shack?' "'Jim,' Lefevre held up a peacemaker's hand. "'We thought maybe he might have come in since you rode away.' "'Well,' Laramie cooled somewhat, "'if it'll do you any good, I'll look inside and see.' Van Horn sarcastically demurred. "'Don't take the trouble, don't take the trouble, Jim.' Still, he might be there, urged Lefevre. In the way I say, he might have walked in since you went into the hills, what? No objection to my looking in there, is there, Jim? No man can search my cabin, snapped Laramie. Have you got a warrant for Abe Hawk? He threw the question sharply at Lefevre. With Lefevre's disclaimer, Doubleday interposed a savage rejoinder. A rope will fit Abe's neck better than a warrant. Laramie eyed the old cattleman unmoved. "'And you're here to get me to help you slip the noose, are you?' "'We're here to clean out these cattle thieves,' stormed Doubleday. "'There are no cattle thieves here,' retorted Laramie, undisturbed. "'You're wasting the time you'll need on your job. Move on.' Even Van Horn was taken aback by the rude command. He pulled his horse around. "'Look here, Jim.' Let me talk to you a minute alone. Laramie, guiding his horse with his heels, followed Van Horn twenty feet away and listened. Jim, I'm leading this bunch, and whatever troubles you've had with Barb and his friends, now's the time to fix them up. They'll give you the best of it. If you've got any line on where Hawk is, say so, and it puts you in with us. Say nothing, and you're against us. Laramie eyed him without a quiver. I'm against you, Harry. Van Horn did not give up. He talked again and talked hard. It was useless. Doubleday rode over to where Van Horn held Laramie in deadly earnest conference. Van Horn, ready to quit, gladly let the older man take over the case. But Doubleday made no better success. Laramie could not be moved. If coaxed, he was obstinate. If threatened, impatient, contemptuous. 
Doubleday, when Laramie coldly refused even to answer his questions concerning Hawk, boiled over. He moved his horse a step and opened his vials of wrath. Laramie, you've turned down the last chance decent folks on the range will ever try to hand you. The last chance you'll ever see to pull away from these falling wall thieves. Now, he exclaimed, raising his right hand and arm with a bitter imprecation, we'll show you who's going to run the Sleepy Cat Range. I'll drive you out of this country if it takes every cowboy I can hire and every dollar I've got. This country won't hold you and me after today. Do you hear? He shouted, almost bending with his huge frame over Laramie and beside himself with rage. Then, spurring his horse, he wheeled it around to rejoin Van Horn. Even then, Laramie was too quick for him. Almost in the very instant, he jumped his own pony after the angry man, and gaining the head of Doubleday's horse, caught the bridle and jerked the beast almost to its haunches. It was a ticklish instant. Van Horn, with his hand on his revolver, attempted to spur to Doubleday's assistance. Lefevre interposed with a sharp move that put him plumply in front of Van Horn. "'Not till them two are through, Harry. We'll stay right here till them two's done.' The very imprudence of Laramie's move had taken Doubleday by surprise, and Laramie was hurling angry words at him before Lefevre had intervened. "'Hold on, Doubleday,' Laramie said bluntly. "'You can't put your abuse all over me first and then run away with it. You'll hear what I've got to say. I rode this range before you ever saw it. I'll ride this range when you're gone. I was born here, Doubleday. My father lived here before me.' The air I breathe, this sky over my head, this ground under my feet are mine, and I stick here in spite of you and your cattle crooks. If men run off your cattle, it's your sheriff's business. You own him. And it's your business to run them down, not mine. You come here without a warrant, without a definite complaint, and ask me to turn an old man over to a bunch of lynchers? Not on your life, not today or any other day. Doubleday interrupted, but he was forced to listen. You talk about thieves. Laramie spoke fast and remorselessly. And you belong to the bunch that's tried to steal every foot of land I own in the falling wall. After you and your lawyers and land office tools have stolen thousands of acres from the government, you talk as if you're an angel out of heaven about the men that brand your mavericks. Hell! The scorn of the expletive drew from the very depths of furious contempt. I'd rather stand by a thief that calls himself a thief than a thief that steals under a lawyer. Send your hired men after me. Give them plenty of ammunition. They'll find me right here, Barb. Right here where I live. End of chapter 19